If you have your Bibles, turn me to Jeremiah chapter 18, verse 1 through verse 6. Jeremiah chapter 18, verse 1 through verse 6. And today we're going to talk about the potter and the clay. The potter and the clay. That's probably a familiar passage or maybe even a familiar statement that you've heard several times. But this morning as we look at it, I believe the Lord really has some truths that we need to be able to apply to our lives and, and digest, if you will, this morning. So Jeremiah chapter 18, beginning in verse 1, the scripture says this, The word which came to Jeremiah from the Lord, saying, Arise and go down to the potter's house, and there I will announce my words to you. Then I went down to the potter's house, and there he was making something on the wheel. But the vessel that he was making of clay was spoiled in his hand, are in the hand of the potter. So he remade it into another vessel as it pleased the potter to make. Then the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Can I not, O house of Israel, deal with you as this potter does, declares the Lord? Behold, like the clay is in the potter's hand, so are you in my hand, O house of Israel. Father God, we come to you. And Lord God, we do thank you, Lord, for being able to come into your house today, Lord, to be able to worship you. We thank you for the freedom to do that. God, we know that this nation that you have birthed and given us, Lord, has been under attack, the freedoms thereof, Lord. And so, God, we are thankful that we're still able to do that. But, God, we lift this country to you, praying, God, we would be able to continue, Lord God, to be a free nation, Lord. God, we do thank you, Lord, that you've given us the physical ability to be able to be here today. God, we know there's folks all across the world and even this town everywhere, Lord, that are sick and, Lord, unable to be here, and so we're thankful to be able to be here, and God, I pray as Brother Eddie mentioned earlier, Lord, I just pray, God, that each and every one, Lord, that we would search our hearts, and God, we would recognize, uh, Lord, the truth of your word that encourages us to gather together to not forsake that privilege and that responsibility, Lord, and God, we ask that you would speak to our hearts through your word today. Father, we rebuke the devil once again in the name of Jesus. We plead the shed blood of Christ over this place. We invite the Holy Spirit of God to continue to work amongst us. And God, we demand any other spirit to be gone in the name of Jesus. Amen. So if you have your Bibles, we're going to look today at this passage. As I said, I know this is a very common passage. You've heard this. You've heard this statement, the potter and the clay. Uh, And I don't know about you, but I automatically get a picture. I don't know... uh, I think it was actually Channel 13. Isn't Channel 13 PBS or something like that? I remember years ago, as a young child, man, this was a long time ago, I remember watching this guy making a pot a, on a potter's wheel, and as he would add water, and he was form that clay into what he was beginning to make. And I remember even at that young age of a child, I was like, wow, that's pretty amazing, you know, and something pretty unique. Well, the Lord gives us a picture today of how he desires us to be in his hands as the clay and he the potter as he seeks to form and mold us and shape us into the men and women of God he's called us to be. Amen? But there's some important truths I believe this morning that we need to think about when we think about the potter and the clay. Number one is this. The clay doesn't have a say in the shape that it's formed. The clay, you and I, we don't have a say in the shape that God's forming us in. Amen? Listen to what he says here in verse 4. I'm still holding out on those glasses. I do not know why, but I just keep holding out. I just keep holding out even though I can't read. Amen? But the vessel that, this is verse 4 again, but the vessel that he was making of clay was spoiled in the hand of the potter, so he remade it into another vessel, listen to this right here, as it pleased the potter to make. 
Amen? I don't know about you, but, but I believe there is a picture of you and I in our lost state of, of uh, us without Christ, before Christ, when we were lost, when we were still in our sin. It says that the clay was spoiled in his hand, and it says he remade it into another vessel as it pleased him. That's a picture of salvation, is it not? But I want us to understand that you and I, we don't have a say in the shape that God's shaping us in. Amen? We've got to say whether or not we submit to it. We've got to say whether or not we surrender unto God's will and His purpose for our life. But ultimately, we don't have a choice. In fact, as I was preparing this message, I was beginning to think about how you and I, and even my parents and their parents and their parents, we have misled our children in a lot of ways, haven't we? And one of those is this. We'll tell our children, or we'll ask our children, what do you want to be when you grow up? Don't we? But really and truly, if we think about the Scripture, we think about God's sovereignty and God's, God's uh, authority in our life and lordship, we should be asking them this. What do you feel like the Lord wants you to be when you grow up? Amen? Am I not right? Man, I can't tell you how many people I believe that I've ministered to, and even myself personally, that we have been in the place where we have chosen to do something or be something that God may not even be in. I know, man, you know a little bit of my testimony. When I was saved, uh, man, I wasn't planning on being a preacher. That wasn't the shape I was planning on being, amen? That wasn't the vessel I was planning on being. But I had to surrender unto God's will and what He was shaping me and is still shaping me in today. Listen to this here. This is Isaiah in chapter 45, verse 9. This is a, almost kind of, a, a, in a sense, a, a sarcastic remark, but it's so true here. Listen to what he says. Woe to the one who quarrels with his maker, an earthenware vessel among vessels of earth. Will the clay say to the potter, what are you doing? Or the thing you are making say, he has no hands. In other words, will we, the clay, dare look to the potter and say, what are you doing? I don't have no handles. I don't have this. I don't have that. What are you doing? No, we don't have a say in the shape he's molding us in. Amen? Second of all, this morning, the clay doesn't have a say in the speed that it is molded. Now this here today kind of really hits home for me personally because... I'm one of those guys where, man, when, when I see a vision of something, whether it be a ministry of vision, ministry vision or whether it be uh, just wanting to grow in the Lord, whatever it is, man, when I see something, I want to be able to just do this right here. And it's done. Amen? I like the microwave approach. I want it to be quick, be done, all right? I, I don't want the crock pot approach where it takes a little time and, and it just kind of goes on and on. I, I like the quick Give it to me now. And most of us do, amen? Aren't we, aren't we that way? We want things to just go quickly. But that's not how it happens. When I was born again, many of y'all know, uh, the church I ended up serving in, or, or growing up in, if you will, my faith was New Chapel Hill, not far down the road. And I'll never forget, I'd just gotten saved. I knew God had called me the night I was saved. That night, remember, God told me I'd be a preacher. Didn't know what that meant, but I just wanted to just serve the Lord. I was eager, I was excited. And the next thing you know, man, just about two months into the, my, my new walk, my new life, my life in Christ, uh, there was a need for a Sunday school teacher, seventh and eighth grade boys. And I'm like, well, that's me. I should be that teacher, right? 
Well, praise God, I had a pastor and a Sunday school uh, superintendent or a Sunday school director who knew that I wasn't ready yet, that God was shaping me, but I thought, man, it should just be real fast, right? I should be teaching. And thank God they were listening to the Lord, and I wasn't put in that position because I wasn't ready. I wasn't shaped exactly where I needed to be shaped to be used in that way and be that vessel that God needed for those boys' life right there. And later on, a year or so later, guess what? I did get to go in there and serve in that area, and God did an awesome work. But, man, I'm telling you, we don't have a say in the speed. It doesn't happen overnight. Now, there are times that God will cause us to grow up fast and things like that, but for the most part... Man, he works with us day by day, day by day, little by little, as he continues to, sh- to shape us into the men and women of God he's called us to be. And so we don't have a say in the speed that we are shaped. Third of all, the clay doesn't have a choice where the will is located. This is another one that kind of really hits home for me. We don't have a choice where the will is located. For me... The dream location where God will do his business with me and his work with me would be in a beautiful hardwood flat, 30 degrees, prime rut. Any guys want to amen on that? Where the big boys roam, close to the Mississippi River. Would that not be bad? Man, God, just put the wheel there. Just me and you, God, privately in your creation, basking in your creation, just me and you, God, and I'm on that wheel, and God, you work on me, and you shape me, and you mold me. But guess what? I don't have a choice of where that wheel's located. In fact, there's been a lot of times in my life where that wheel was located in a place where everybody else could see. All the nastiness of my life, the things that were going on, the frustrations, the wrestling, the things were going on. In fact, I, I think back to a, per, a, a particular situation where I was pastoring a church, and man, it was a difficult church. The church had tons and tons of problems, and I was aware of that going in, and, and, and man, it got really, really ugly. And I'd love to tell you that it was all the church, but it wasn't. There was some involvement of my own flesh there, and God put me on that wheel in front of everybody. I'll never forget on a Sunday morning, and I'm one of those guys, I'm not very emotional, and and I'm not saying that's good or bad. Uh, I think we need to be balanced in our emotions, amen, and and God's given us those emotions. But I'm one of those guys that I don't get broken very often, and, and I'm not very emotional. But I'll never forget this particular Sunday morning as God was doing a mighty work in that church, and even in my life, and I was sitting on that wheel in front of everybody, 300 people probably, and God broke me, and I could not stop crying as he was shaping me and molding me, and I was like, God, I don't like this. I'm not supposed to be sitting up here crying like this. But we don't have a choice where that wheel's located, do we? Amen? Sometimes it's in front of the whole world to see, and God does that intentionally because he wants the world to see his power at work in our lives as he's changing us. Amen? And just for a testimony, this particular church, you don't know the church, but I just want to tell you this, God has done a mighty work there, and, and I know their pastor, and it's been a beautiful thing, and he's still working in my life, shaping me, amen, on that wheel. But we don't have a choice where it's located. It can't be in a calm, convenient place always. Sometimes it's in a difficult place, a hard place. So we don't have a choice where the wheel's located. Fifth of all, this morning, only got a couple more. Fifth of all, I want you to see this. The clay never gets 
to put the Lord on the wheel. Amen? We never get to get off that wheel and say, hey, okay, Potter, Lord, it's your turn. And we're going to put him on there. We're going to shape and mold him in who we want him to be. Nope, that don't get to happen. In fact, what's one of the Ten Commandments that we're not to, to uh, create a God in our own image, right? Don't we do that, though? Don't we often believe the lie that we serve a God that is okay with this in our life, or we serve a God that's okay with that in our life? We serve a God that's okay with us not serving Him faithfully, with us not giving faithfully, with us not being faithful to His bride, the local churches He's called us to. We, we think and we believe that we serve a God that way, and all we're doing is we're putting Him on the wheel, trying to form Him into the God we want Him to be, right? And that's not biblical, and that can't happen. I love Ray Comfort. Anybody ever heard of Ray Comfort? Anybody? How about Kirk Cameron? Some of y'all heard of Kirk Cameron, right? Remember Growing Pains? Well, Kirk Cameron and Ray Comfort are ministry partners, and their ministry is called The Way of the Master. And The Way of the Master is a profound, phenomenal, unbelievable street witnessing ministry, if you will. They have gospel tracks uh, that you can go online and buy. They're amazing. They're awesome. Uh, but anyway, Ray Comfort and, and, and um, Kirk Cameron are two of the greatest street evangelists I've ever seen in my life. Of our time, in my opinion, they're the best. They're unbelievable. Just anointed. They spend most of their time in Los Angeles and California, places like that. And I'll never forget one time I was watching Ray Comfort because they have a class you can actually walk through, DVD series type stuff like that, and you can see clips of it and stuff like that. And so Ray Comfort is ministering and trying to witness to this atheist Oh, no, I'm sorry, it wasn't, a, he does that a lot too. It was a particular situation where he's witnessing this, it was a young lady, and this young lady continues to start saying, well, I don't believe, because in that uh, witnessing tool, he uses the Ten Commandments and, and basically tries to get a, a person to understand that they're lost and that they're headed to hell. I mean, that's witnessing, amen? You've got to warn them. It's, it's no other way. We have these days people that want to just kind of pat people on the back and just kind of caress them and everything else and hope they get saved. No, they need to know their loss and that they're headed to hell. And so they do a really good job of that. And so this young lady that he's witnessing to, she begins to talk about her God would never send her to hell that her God would never sin, and she goes down a long list. She says, God's, my God would never send homosexuals to hell. My God would never send this person to hell. My God would never send an adulteress to hell. My God would never do this and that. And Ray Comfort looks on her and says, yeah, you're exactly right, ma'am. You are right. Your God would never do that. He said, because your God does not exist. Your God is not real. And I was like, wow, that was amazing. But isn't that where we are, and especially the world around us, we want to take and put God on that wheel and shape and form Him into who we want Him to be. And in fact, that's not God, amen? That's just a God we've created in our own image, in our own minds, our own figments of our imagination, and that's not God. He's not going on the wheel, folks, amen? He's Lord. He's the potter. We are the clay. And then last of all this morning, I've talked about all the choices, all the things that, that we don't have a say in when it comes to the potter and the wheel and the clay. All the things we don't have a choice in, but we do have a choice in one thing. You know what that is? We have a choice of whether or not we get on the wheel. We have a choice of whether or not we get on the wheel. 
Ultimately, we know today that you have the choice of whether or not you're born again. Praise God for free will. When you hear the gospel and you recognize you're a sinner and that you're lost and you deserve hell and you're headed to hell and you recognize that and then you recognize that God was not satisfied with that, that God provided a way that you might be saved, you might be delivered from that punishment of hell and he made that way through Jesus Christ, the man of uh, the very Son of God who never knew any sin, the one who was born of a virgin. The Bible says he who knew no sin became sin on our behalf. The Bible also says in Romans 5.8 that he demonstrated his love towards us. Yet while we were sinners, Christ died for us. That Lord Jesus who died for us, you recognize that and re really truly put your faith in the fact that he was perfect, never sinned, went to die in our place, took on the punishment for our sins, not just our sins as the Bible says, but the sins of the whole world. He took on the wrath of God and was buried, dead, buried, and raised again on the third day. If you put your faith in that, you choose to do that, you put your faith in that, you're born again. And that's choosing to get on that wheel. But you know what happens all too often for so many folks that get born again that are truly saved? We choose to get off that wheel. I'm done. I'm okay. I'm going to heaven. I don't need any more of the Bible. I don't need any more church. I don't need any more preaching. I don't need any more teaching. And we never get back on that wheel. And there's never any discipleship. There's never any shaping. There's never even molding. In fact, man, here's a picture, is it not? How many times do we individually, personally, or we know even believers that, that profess to know Christ, they're out there walking around, and we're not too pretty, we're not very pretty looking vessels, are we? look pretty rough because we're not finished we're not being shaped we're not letting that potter remember that mental picture that I, I brought up this morning that potter would take that water and and put it gently all over that clay and he would moisten it up and shape it and all that we're, that's not happening and we're walking around out there and we look terrible because we're not on that wheel we have to choose to get on that wheel amen if you're a child of God he, you know, I've heard somebody say this before, and, and I don't know if I agree with it 100%, but if you've heard this before, God's a gentleman. He's not going to force you to do something or whatever. There, there's some truth to that when it comes to free will, but, but I'd like to testify today. Sometimes my, my God is just that loving Father, and He will take me to the woodshed, and He will, he will persuade me to do some stuff. Amen? So I want to balance that out, but there are some truths to this where free will comes in, and we, we have the choice whether or not we get on that wheel. And we let God do the hard work that needs to be done. The shaping and the molding and the, the forming and the stretching that clay and doing all those things. We've got that choice, don't we? He doesn't force us. And so the question I'd like to ask you this morning, and the most important, first of all, have you truly been born again? Have you experienced verse 4? Where you've recognized that you, the clay, you were spoiled. Amen? And we see this beautiful picture where he makes or remakes the vessel as it pleased him. Have you experienced that? Has there been a moment in your life where you truly recognized that you were spoiled? You were ruined. Hopeless. Without God. Without Christ. And you let him remake you into a vessel, supernaturally, just like that, where you were born again, he, born again, he remade you into the vessel that pleased him. How's that happened? And then the second question, if you can answer yes to that, is are you remaining on that wheel? 
Here's another point that I almost preached. Are you centered on that wheel? And you're right there in the center where he's able to take and do his, his work. Amen? There's another, if you want a little sneak peek of what I almost preached too, because, man, I, there's so many points God kept giving me on this. Another one is this. You know what? There's only room for one person on that wheel too. Amen? I want my wife up there. God, she needs some work. I want my buddy, my, 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 my cousin. I want my, my co-worker. That joker needs, my preacher needs to be up there. God, night, right? My, my deacon, my Sunday school. No, it's room for only one person. It's you and God, right? Amen. So have you chosen to stay and remain on that wheel? Because how many of you know today, I don't care how old you are today, thank God for the wisdom that God's given you as a senior adult, for my oldest person that's here with us this morning, but wouldn't you testify that you are not finished yet? Amen. He's still shaping and molding. There's still a work taking place. I know for me, when I was born again, September 14th of 97, you've heard that date already, but it's important. It's special to me. It's a celebration. I think, man, it's awesome. I look back, and that, that, and that night I got saved, man, God took so much out of my life, and I was like, man, wow, how refreshing. And you know what? 20-something years later, I still realize, man, I, good night. I just thought I was wicked then. He's still moving stuff out. He's still working things out. So are you remaining on that wheel?